Hey guys, I want to tell you about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. And how do I know? Because Todd Orndorff on a podcast now switched to Anchor. And it's absolutely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Can you imagine not having to lug all of your equipment every place you go to do an interview or record? You can do it all right from your phone. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you want to be heard, they send you there. You do the fun stuff, they do the hard stuff. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jeff. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> I'm a podcast veteran. You know who I'm better than? Athea veteran since back in the day. What's up, what's up, and good evening to you. This is Todd Orner from the Toddcast, coming at you from the great state of PA, the finally warm great state of PA. My name is Todd Orndorf. I'll be your party host for this evening. We got a really awesome show for you guys today. It was a interview with Jeff Brown from the Center Region in Pennsylvania. He is the voice of Center County. He does Penn State Athletics. He's done radio for 30 years, and this conversation is something I've always wanted to talk to somebody about, somebody in radio, the difference between podcasting and radio, the similarities, what radio hosts think of people who do podcasting, and vice versa. It's a really cool episode. We go into stories about when he started, stories about practical jokes that used to be said on the air that are not allowed now, and he actually tells a couple, which are absolutely hilarious. We talk about the hatred for PC and uh, share some stories because he has a, uh, a special tie to world-class championship wrestling in Texas, which is really, really awesome for me. If you guys listen to my show, then you obviously know. It was a really great listen. We've had this thing scheduled probably three or four times, and the time has always gotten pushed back because he's such a busy guy. I've had to push it back because I am such a busy guy, and we finally made it happen. So I hope you guys love the show. I hope you guys listen in. And if you know Jeff, make sure you reach out to him. Make sure that you uh, say, hey, I heard you on the podcast. Because this was a really cool episode. It was so organic. We didn't talk about nothing beforehand. He just sat beside me and we just BS the entire time. It was really awesome. He was a longtime family friend. I believe he met my family the year I was born, 86, which I make sure to make reference that I was born in 86. So, hope you guys enjoy this. But before we get to that, it's summertime. It is springtime or summertime. It's one of the two seasons right now. I don't really know because the weather is warm. So, the weather is warm to me. It's just freaking summertime. But when it comes to summertime or this time of year, there's a few things that a couple ladies are thinking about and men in general too it's wedding season folks and if it's wedding season who are you gonna call you need a photographer who is the top choice i'll tell you mine this time of year it's all about diamonds wedding dresses and choosing the right photographer to capture the most important day of your life 
Organic Memories Photography can give you just that. With years of experience and a steady hand, your special day will live on forever. If you are not in need of a wedding photographer but need family photos, maternity photos, or engagement photos, as well as many other types of photography, check out OrganicMemoriesPhoto.com. You know, guys, it is summertime, and what's everybody's favorite thing to do in summertime when you have friends over, when you crack a brew or two? It is to get behind the grill. And fellas, if you're a grill sergeant, if you are the grill master general, let me tell you something. You need to check out Reload Rub and Seasoning. I've had them on my show before. I've been using their products since before they launched. Incredible people, incredible friends of mine. And because you guys listen to my show, and because you guys are just freaking phenomenal we partnered up and we got you a good discount go to check out type in todd in the discount code and save yourself 10 percent. they got things like high caliber the high caliber may be my new favorite it is an incredible incredible garlic blend they've got the double action for your sweet and smoky barbecue which actually yesterday my children were like daddy we want hot dogs so being a good daddy, I got to get them hot dogs. So I went on the grill and I put a couple on there for myself and sprinkled a little double action on the dogs. And let me tell you, it may have been the best hot dog I've ever had in my life. Absolutely incredible. The original blend fully loaded will forever be an absolute favorite. And if you like some heat for all you guys who, who really like the hot and spicy the pack and heat will give you a challenge that I know you will love. So go to Reload Rubbing Seasoning. It's grill season, guys. Don't be missing out. Which one of you are willing to take your grilling to the next level? Do you remember when the show did not have ads? <sighs> is he done? I think it is about time that we get to the man of the hour, the man with the power. He is too sweet to be sour. He's too hot to handle and too cold to hold. Ladies and gentlemen, the pride of Pittsburgh, the prince of polyester, the white meat baby face. Ladies and gentlemen, jumpin' Jeff Brown. Ribbit, ribbit. Today with me, I got the voice of the center region, the pride of Pittsburgh, the prince of polyester. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, jumpin' Jeff Brown. Thanks Woo! for coming on, sir. Jumpin' Jeff jumpin Brown. Jumpin' Jeff Brown, yeah. You know that actually I was that on the air for a while? No, you weren't. Yeah, I was. Maybe I, I was. did my research. But I did. Think about that. When I was at Froggy for like a, three months or something like that, they told me I had to have a frog name. Yeah. And I said, no. And they were like, but you can't be on the air unless you have a frog name. And I said, I don't care that I won't be on the air. Because I had done 10 years at 3WZ and I had built my name up and I got out of it for two years. And so I was just getting back into it for the fun. Wait, you got out of radio for two oh, years? Yeah, I was out of radio for two years. I sold homes for SNA Homes. I didn't know and, that. Yeah. So then, while I was still selling for SNA, they said, if you want to come on in the morning, because I didn't start SNA until 11 every morning, why don't you come on and do mornings? I said, sure, that'd be fun. So then they hit me with, you got to have a frog name. And I said, no. And because like, you're not a gimmick. Yeah, because you got to have to. You, you have to. And I said, no, what I don't have to do is work here because I'm not a full-time <laughs> job. I'm doing this for fun. Right. So, finally, the guy panicked. It was the day before I was supposed to go in the air. And he said, what about jumping Jeff Brown? And I said, one time in the morning. One time. That's it. He goes, okay, that's fine. So, 5.50 a.m., they did the Frognet News. <laughs> so, the first thing out of my mouth every morning was, hey, it's Jeff Brown, or jumping Jeff Brown with Frognet News. And then I never said jumping the rest of the shift. I totally just pulled that. I had no idea. Really? Yeah. The people in Altoona were so. 
furious that I wouldn't use a frog name. Jump. So you lucked out. You I said lucked, jump I looked, and you didn't jump know what the heck you were the white, about. Me, the white meat baby face <laughs> jumping Jeff Brown. <laughs> no, you were right. That is awesome. Oh my goodness. I, did, I, I honestly had no idea. That, what was the time period that you were out of radio? Um, it was from 98 to um, 2000. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I went. I got really burned out on radio. I'd been at 3WZ for 10 years and couldn't do it anymore. And so SNA Homes offered me a job. So I, not knowing anything about construction or anything right, else, right. I went into to home sales and kind of, you know, fumbled my way through it. And I was, I was doing pretty well. I, mean, I actually sold some homes and, and that. And it was, it was fun. I got into it because it was like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. Right. People would say, you know, well, I want this house, but I want a bump out here. Or I yeah. want a bay window there. I had a great time doing it. But eventually, um, you know, the froggy thing was just not working out. And they started the bus. And they called and said, hey, you want to be on the bus? And I said, yeah. And the rest is history. Probably one of the first people to be called, I assume. Have to be. I actually missed it by a year. They went on the air, and they were on for about a year, and then they called me because they had changed management. And Rob Schmidt, who uh, is a big radio guy in the area, took over as general manager, and I was the first guy he called and said, you got to do mornings. Right. So Steve Biddle and I started doing mornings. So, with, with the SNA thing, uh-huh. the uh, how did the years of experience being on the radio help you? I mean... Obviously, the talking had to be a breeze. Was it just... Because if you're on the radio and doing ads all the time, mm-hmm. you're already a salesman. Yeah, yeah. And it's... When you when you get on the air, the, and you do it the right way, and a lot of people don't do it the right way, but if you do it the right way, you get to know your listeners. You talk to them. You get involved in their lives. You let them be involved in your life. And you build a bond. And that's all sales is, is you, you talk to people... Find out what they want. If you ask the right questions, you establish the relationship. They'll tell you exactly what they want, and it's easy to sell them that way. So that wasn't the problem with me. The problem was, you know, they wanted to know how many nails we were going to use, right, or you know, right. this and that. I had no clue. Right. So I spent a lot of the first uh, probably six months I was there saying, "Can you hold on a second? And then I'd run back to the sales manager and ask the question, and then come back. But exactly, I got to know a few things here and there. So what's What's the right way and what's the wrong way? Like, what's the proper approach, or what's the approach for that would make you less successful? I'll tell you what. What drives me crazy are men and women who just come on. We call them card readers, and all they do is they come on. They'll tell you the time. They'll tell you the temp. They'll read the um, the forecast, and they'll read liner cards, or they'll read. You know, a story that they got out of the newspaper or online or whatever. So nothing's organic. They never put any personality into it. And and that's where the work is. you got to go out and you, you go to live broadcasts and you meet the people and you actually talk to them and you actually get into their lives and find out what matters to them. Because now, once I know what matters to them, I know what to talk about on the air. And it just is a big snowball. But, you know, if you're just... Not putting your whole self into it, you're never going to be a good, good on-air personality. I think one of the coolest things about being a podcaster is it's almost like with me. There's been so many different things that I've wanted to freaking do in life, and <laughs> so many things that I've tried, and so many things I didn't continue when I should have, right. or whatever. But I, but I, 
I did something that always in 2007 I heard a line that like really changed a lot of my thinking it was create opportunity for yourself you have to create opportunity for yourself yeah I think everybody knows that you got to do that but for some reason when I heard that it kind of just like hit me like a brick and I think the fact that like I'm so in love with like with um sports and athletics and professional Mm -hmm. wrestling like being on here like I can like I can use the charisma that I never used that I could have used Mm -hmm. so 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 whenever you say to you know establish that relationship with people find your way use your own resources that you have within yourself to go Mm -hmm. out and reach people I think so much of that is the same thing as what the heck I do on here yeah it's such a powerful tool having a podcast and being able to even if there's like a silly part of the show that you want to do, like every now and I can't sing worth a lick, but sometimes on here <laughs> I'll have a guy on who who uh, who I interview who has like an ATV shop, and I'll make up a stupid song about him or whatever. Right. Just something to entertain, something to reach more people. But see, you are revealing a part of your personality, yeah. and when you reveal a part of yourself. To your listeners, whether you're on the air or a podcast or whatever, they get to know you better. And when they get to know you and they start to feel like you're friends, like they there's a connection, then you that's where you've got an audience. Because then they want to tune back in. They want to see what else you have to say. You know, they they back before podcasting, um, people would tune in because they liked what I said. They I, I let them into my life. I when I was in Texas. My first son was. Oh, born. we're talking about Texas too. I'm going to bring were... that back up too. <laughs> Don't worry. When I was in Texas and my first son was born, um, you know, I went through the whole pregnancy. I was telling stories about pregnancy and all that. My wife wasn't real happy about some of them, but <laughs> I was telling the stories anyway. And he was born at eight thirty at night. I went into work the next morning, and this guy called me and he said, "Congratulations! I just want you to know you gave your son the greatest gift a father can give his son." And I said, what's that? And he said, you made him a native-born Texan. (laughs) But that was because I had been telling all these stories. And you get to a point, especially when you're looking at ratings and radio, it's important that people keep coming back to you again and again and again. And if you're just reading liner cards and you've got that invisible wall between you and the listeners... They're not going to care whether they listen to you or not. Anybody can do that. Exactly. You don't separate yourself. Literally. Anybody. I could bring a monkey off the the street and teach him how to run a radio board. And, you know, you can bring anybody in and teach him how to read liner cards. But that's not being a radio personality. That's not being a blog personality. That is just, or a podcast personality. That is just reading. And anybody can read. And that's the big difference. Do they look at numbers... Is, is there any type of analytics that that the radio, they look at, that has to do anything with podcasts? No. No? No. But they... So they look at it as two separate things. Yeah, even small market radio doesn't look at ratings anymore. You know, it's only the big markets. When I was in Syracuse, they used to do things called um, weeklies. And, you know, Todd, I'm telling you, we would all gather around the fax machine I'm dating myself here because that was back in gosh 87 86 um, I was bored but, yeah. I, was, I was bored <laughs> anyway, in 86 shut up <laughs> anyway um, 
all these guys would gather around with fear in their eyes because when those arbitrans came out, they could literally get fired five minutes later. If their numbers had gone down, they knew their careers could be over. And I, I vividly remember standing there because I was, I was not only managing the radio station, but I was doing afternoons at the, the biggest station in the market. And I remember thinking, I don't want to live my life like this. I don't want to worry every Friday at 3.30 whether I'm going to have a that job That stress would eat you alive. Oh, my God. I was like, no, there's no way I want to do that. And, and that played a lot into me taking a job in State College because I worked in Pittsburgh, and they told me to go find a job for six months, and then they were going to bring me back because it was a union shop, and they couldn't fire the guy. And so I found a job at 3WZ, and they called me six months later, and I turned him down. I was like, why? It's a great place to raise kids. Right. I've got this huge university here with all the theater and sports and everything else I could possibly want. And it's a beautiful area. You know, Center County, Belfont, State College, Pleasant Gap, all that. It's hard to beat. It's an incredible place. So I'm a small-town guy anyway. So I just said no. And they couldn't believe it. They, they were completely shocked and a little upset with me. Then I turned them down, and they thought for sure I was coming back, and I... I couldn't do it. Hmm. So you brought up Texas. <laughs> and a couple... One well, of my favorite places, let yeah, me tell you. One of mine. I have family in Texas. and uh, But I'm not here to talk about Texas. I'm not here to talk about radio. <laughs> I am... Anybody who's ever listened to my show, anybody who knows me personally knows, I am 32 years old and madly in love with... I'm going to call it live theater. Yeah, yeah. And uh, But you told me that you did... Some guest ring announcing for Absolutely. World Class Championship Wrestling. World Class Championship Wrestling back when uh, the Von Ericks were the, the huge draw and uh, uh, Chris Adams. and, and Gentleman uh, Chris Adams. Yeah, that's right. And the debut of Jake the Snake Roberts. Thank you very much. I am. Uh, <clears throat> I went live r- right before this on Facebook and I said, you know, like how much, like I have to, you know, I, I, I have to ask about this because. <laughs> A lot of people in this area, just because the the television market at the time did not get to see world class. Mm-hmm. But if you are a wrestling history buff, you I mean there there were twenty seven plus territories mm-hmm. throughout the United States, That's right? All all over the country, small little uh, small little divisions. I'm going to call them and. Yeah. Uh, World class is one of the greatest things I ever come across. And, and the, the wrestlers fa- would go from place to place to place. Every they, week they yeah. would have, yeah. Well, I got to see Andre the Giant, um, you know, Chris Hayes. Um, you Chris know, Hayes or Michael Hayes? Or Michael Hayes, I'm sorry. Michael Hayes. Michael P.S. Hayes, which uh, stands yes. for purely sexy, by the way. <laughs> now, all of these guys, they all came in because it was a big venue at the time before they all started getting you know, consolidated and all that stuff. But yeah, whenever they would come to Tyler, and, and occasionally, um, you know, when they would go elsewhere, they would give me a call and say, "Hey, we need a ring announcer." How'd they find you? Just through um, the radio? Yeah, just through the radio, because they did a lot of advertising on our station, and, and our station was the biggest in the market. So you know, they just said, "Okay, who can do it?" And, and I guess somebody pointed them my way. But yeah, you know, now you got to tell me, your your uh, listeners here, they believe. That wrestling's real or not? Well, here's the, here's the, well, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't want to do here's, the whole telling them about Santa Claus or anything. Uh, here's right, the so. thing. I take that personal because I <laughs> I went to pro wrestling school myself. Uh-huh. So I there, my first day. You know my mother, so I'm gonna tell you the mm-hmm. story. My first day, 
uh, I go to pro wrestling, I'm super pumped, you know? It's right. like, finally. You know, because my whole life, mom said no. Straight up. <laughs> I, I know you're probably going to listen to this, Ma. You told me no, I couldn't do it. Oh. My dad said no, he didn't want me to do it. But mm-hmm. you know what? I wanted to do it, so right. I did it. <clears throat> so I went to this pro wrestling school, and my first day, I, I remember walking through the ropes, and I did something that, like, shocked my trainer. Because there is something that wrestlers do to to pay respect to the guys who stepped into the ring before them. Okay. You stand up on the apron, and before you duck through the ropes, you wipe your feet on the mat. Really? Just to show a sign of respect. Yeah. And I did that, and I was never in a ring before, uh-huh. but I studied this thing. Right. So I wiped my feet on the mat, and I took a look at my trainer, just like making sure like making sure he noticed that right. like, I knew my stuff. You know what I mean? And uh, I got, he got this big smirk on his face. So then I, I walked through the ropes, and the moment I went through the ropes, I don't know what happened to me, but I got all warm. I got I got goosebumps right now oh, thinking about it. I walked right through the ropes. We got to talking a little bit. He found out I stuttered at that point, which mm-hmm. kind of sucked. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, because in wrestling, if you want to if you want to be any good, you got to talk. It's just the way it is. You got to right. talk people into the seats. Every eighteen inches is all they care about. Mm-hmm. So then we started to do the basic back bumps and everything. There are three basic back bumps. He taught me those, and uh, the last one is a handstand, and then you fall over on your back. And, yeah, and, 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 yeah. Okay. So the first two back bumps I did was awesome. It was just stand there fall back then a standing front flip smack the mat and uh he said don't forget to bend your feet that's a big thing okay to help break the impact you smack the mat with your palms have your knees bent so your feet hit at the same time to help your back out well i did this handstand at this time i'm just like no it was awesome it was like i was a freaking natural it was so weird and then the first handstand i did i forgot to bend my feet and my heels hit at the same time. Oh. And I had a jolt of lightning go the whole way up my calves, through I'll my bet. hamstrings, up my glutes, and up through my back. I just laid there. Uh, and I, I couldn't move. I felt like I was paralyzed. Yeah. I didn't know. what. I never felt that before. Being in sports, everything, I never felt that before. So I'm just laying there. And I'm like, Ooh, you, know? And I'm a, you know, I'm a man. I'm a man. I can do this. <laughs> I'm just laying there. And uh, he looks at me. He bends over to help pull me up, and he said, you're not going to do that again, are you? I said, absolutely not. And from that moment on, I never did. But that night, after I left, he said, look, go home, take five to leave. I took like five all day to leave. He said, you're going to be sore in the morning. I'm 23 years old. I ain't going to be sore. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm a freaking athlete. I ain't going to be sore. <laughs> so I go home. Well, I stay at my mom's at night. This mm-hmm. is where the story gets good. So I stay at my mom's at night. 7 o'clock in the morning, I wake up, and I get a roll out of bed. I'm upstairs. Her bedroom was downstairs. And uh, I go sit up and I can't move. Like I literally can't move. Oh, man. And I went to turn my head to the left to like try to roll over, and I couldn't move my head to the left. It was stuck because on the back you have to tuck your chin so you don't smack your head yeah, off the mat. Yeah, yeah. So at 23 years old, feeling like I'm a champ, I get my phone out and I text my mother to come help me out of bed <laughs> at seven o'clock in the morning because I'm I was, sure she loved that. I was not man enough to get out of bed myself. She didn't give you the I told you so, did she? Oh, I still get the I told you so. <laughs> but, yeah, so that was – but actually, um, what time period were you doing the ring announcing? Oh, gosh, it would have been mid-'80s. The mid-'80s? Yeah, because I got down to Texas in 82, so it probably would have been around 84, 85, something like that. Did you ever meet one of my favorites of all time? Who's them? The handsome half-breed, Gina Hernandez. I did not ever meet Gino, but he was in the ring when I announced about 
So he was there. Yeah, but I, I never got a chance to you know say hi or whatever. First time they ever hired me to do this, and and my father had given me grief for a year because I watched um, studio wrestling in right. Pittsburgh with Bruno Sammartino right. and, yeah, and Jumping Johnny DeFazio and all those guys. Yes. And my dad was always like, oh, "It's fake. They're acting. They're right. you know." And so, it hurts. So Trust I, me. yeah. So uh, well, I have all all the respect in the world for those guys because you got to be athletic. Yes, you do. And you really notice it when you're sitting right beside the ring. Yes. The first time that, that they uh, they hired me, they said, come on into the locker room. I'll introduce you to the guys. Get out of here. So, you know, so I'm thinking you like. You should see the smile on my face right now. Go ahead. I'm like, this is really cool. But I walked in and, you know, the bad guys are playing cards with the good guys and all this stuff. They didn't separate them. No. I Back was like, then they did. Son of a gun. Are you kidding yeah. me? You know, it was, I, I can't think who. Carrie Von Eric was playing cards with, but it was one of his arch enemies at the time. And I just went, ah. I knew it, but I didn't know it, you know? Yeah. So, um, the, the two, two greatest stories I had, if you got time for of them. Of course I do. Um, the first one was, I'm in Tyler, Texas. I'm doing this bout. I'm sitting at a table, just your basic, you know, pull-out table like you see in school or whatever, right beside the ring. So... This guy, who was the promoter, came over to me as it the guy. Was Prince Eric? No, no, no. It was it was one of his his guys who was working for him. Okay. But he came over and he goes, "When you're done announcing the next bout, go get a smoke, get a drink, go to the bathroom. I don't care what you do. Don't sit down." I was like, "Huh?" He goes, "Just do what I tell you." <laughs> okay. So I announced the bout and I go out and I'm getting in line waiting for a coke, and I turn around and the next thing I know, here's one big guy going over the ropes. Hits the table, boom, table breaks in half. I said, okay, that's why you wanted me to go get a coca with. So the next bout, he comes over and he goes, well, I see you took my advice. And I said, yeah. And he goes, lady in Dallas didn't last week and broke her leg in two places. (laughs) (laughs) Therefore, you you got a job. And I looked at him and I go, you let her get her leg broken? He goes, I didn't let her. I told her to, yeah. to move. She didn't move. And I said, but like the wrestlers. And I'm yeah. like going, oh, wait, there's a lady sitting there. Hey, they're doing what they're supposed to do. She didn't yeah. move. Yeah. So that was first lesson I learned. So then, I don't know, it was maybe six months later. Um, before all the bouts started, they said, hey, bout five. And it was uh, Chris Adams because Chris Adams had just gone rogue with the Von Erichs. And he was fighting... Um, Oh, it was Carrie's brother's name. Kevin. 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 Okay. He's the only one left. Yeah. He's by, he's fighting Kevin. So, and Chris Adams hated now because he'd gone to the dark side. He, right. He, he blew off the Von Erics. So, huge match. So, they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. When you're announcing the bout, Chris is going to come over and try to take the microphone away from you. Don't let him put up a fight. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. You know. So I get up, got the guys in the ring, I've got the microphone in my hand, I start announcing, Chris comes up, get the mic, get the mic, you know, well, he's doing it in English accent. Yes. And so he's got the mic, and I've got the mic, and we're kind of going back and forth, right. you know, and I finally let go. And I took a step back, but when I took a step back, I stepped on my other foot, and I fell. You hit the deck. Yeah. <laughs> The place goes nuts because they thought he pushed me down. Right. So they're like, oh! and people are screaming and all this other stuff. And I get up and leave the ring. 
So same same guy is working the crowd. He comes over and goes, "Man, that was brilliant. That was great." And I said, "I stepped on my foot. I didn't mean to do it." He goes, "I don't care. It was great. We got a great reaction. That's great. Do it yeah. again." I, mean, I said, "Okay, we'll do it again." So I never did, but right. Yeah, that was my big acting in the in the wrestling world. Was so you, I was clumsy enough to step on my own foot. So you legitimately fell. Oh yeah, right on my back. Yeah, that's actually was amazing. Actually, you brought up Jake the Snake Roberts, mm-hmm. who did the DDT as a finisher. The same thing happened in the creation of the DDT. He had a guy hooked, and the clumsy individual accidentally stepped on his foot, and they fell backwards together, and then. He got up because, oh, he was a baby face. You know? right. I, I didn't screw up. There's no way. I didn't mess up. No, I'm a good guy. <laughs> but the other guy was smart enough to lay there. Like, he just got yeah. hit with a move. And that was how the move, the DDT, was invented by someone right? tripping over their own feet. Ah. And, but the guy was smart enough ah. to stay down. Right. And Jake was smart enough to pop up. I didn't mess up. I'm a good guy. Well, I don't make mistakes. Well, ladies, you'll be happy to know that I did see Jake the Saint get pantsed in about... You did. Oh yeah, in Texas. Up, he goes up on the turnbuckle, and I, I don't, I forget again who he was. It was somebody that it was just you know one of the fill-in guys, but he fell, and when he fell and tried to catch himself, he grabbed the back of Jake's pants, and as he's falling, boom, <laughs> down, the <laughs> stick right out of the bag, <laughs> and the and the ladies went nuts because they all thought you know he was so hot and everything, and uh, they actually stopped the bout. Really? Oh, yeah, because, you know, you're in Texas and you're right. in the mid-80s and he just right. mooned and I have no idea what else he might have shown on the other side of himself. But, uh, you yeah, know, they're like, okay, done, we're done. Do, we're you happen, do you happen to remember what day of the week they were in Tyler? Uh, usually Thursdays. Usually Thursdays. Yeah. One of the reasons why everybody holds world class in such high regard is because they would run fridays Mm -hmm. and in friday high school football is huge yes it's like a national holiday to those people yep and they still sold out arenas on fridays oh yeah that's one reason why everybody thinks so much of world class because they were able to do that because you just you don't take people away from high school football in texas but they did oh they had they had so many stars you know skandar akbar and you know bobby heenan you know was down there for a while and 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 um, it was just so cool because even somebody like me who wasn't all that into wrestling at the right. beginning, I became a fan. I had, to, I had to watch it every that. time. I know. I had to watch it every every week to see what was going on and all my friends were into it as well and, and, and we were huge fans and, and I got to give it to the Von Ericks because they saw what they had to do to take the product to the next level. So, so for live wrestling or... Or syndication, really. It was only like one or two camera shoots. Right. They were the first ones to go to like six and have yeah. have have some microphones inside of the ranks where it was like a like a personality profile because you're right there with those guys. Exactly. You exactly. Know? I mean, they 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 stepped up the game so much that people could not want to watch. Were Von Erichs as big as everybody say they were? Absolutely. It was that. Yes. It yes. was that wild. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I know with them it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. But, you know, if you're not there and you just hear things, if you only hear one thing about them, you do believe it. But, like, Mm -hmm. to sit next to someone right now that, like, saw how big Carrie was in person. Yes. If there was one, like... And loved. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, they just... 
literally the Von Erichs could do anything they wanted to do in Texas because they were just revered. They were gods in Texas at that time. It, it, it's amazing how, like, that time period in, in the 80s when something like that could happen where, like, nowadays I don't think that could ever happen. N- not, not to the magnitude it was then, no. They were the Beatles. Oh, yeah. The Beatles are wrestling. That's a great way to put it. They were the Beatles of wrestling. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And you saw it. Absolutely. You saw it. Like... <laughs> Fritz was nasty, though. Did you get to meet Fritz? Fritz was mean. He's a yeah. big guy. Yeah, he was. Unless I just caught him in a bad mood every single time I saw him, he was. He had an attitude. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't mess with Fritz. They say that he changed personally as a man after David Von Erich died. So maybe, you know, Kevin is the only one left, mm-hmm. but he always says like his dad was like a gentle giant, but he says after the first boy, Jackie died, mm-hmm. he was electrocuted at the, yeah. the age of six, which he changed a little bit there. Like he was never the same, they say, but after David died in Japan, they say like things just changed for him. Yeah. And, and uh, frankly, that's when it's the, the entire program started to decline. Right. You know, and it wasn't at first, but... Fritz lost his edge. Yeah. He really did. And it was it was a shame because they were rolling and it deeply affected him. It's amazing to have five or six boys and have one left right now. Exactly. Actually, on there's a streaming service called Viceland right now and they just had this documentary on the Von Erich family. I saw it. You yeah, watched, watched it? it? Absolutely. Was that awesome? I know. It was great. It brought back a lot of memories. I bet. Like Iceman King Parsons, I think. Yes. There was like some stuff of him on there. There was, was actually so one cool. of Gino on there. He, yeah, there was. There, there yeah. was one of Gino on there. And that he's one guy that for some reason I just like feel like I like like I would have loved to have been a character like that without all the cocaine. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I gotta keep the a... keep the Peruvian to yourself, but uh, like, I, I would have been ask like you, that. did you have a name? I never what happened with me, I stopped after I finished. Okay. I, I never had a match or nothing because at that time I got my first phone call from the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh-huh. And, which was my number one love. Right. Wrestling was like, baseball was A+, plus, wrestling was A. Right. So there was more money in that, so I stopped that to go give that a shot. But, so, I mean... The talented Todd Orndorff, obviously. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what... Yeah. Pro wrestling career, play with the Phillies. What are you gonna do? Uh, uh, what are you gonna do? So yeah, it was uh, yeah. The Viceland thing for me was awesome. Actually, my fiance over there is a hater of wrestling. <laughs> I've done everything I could for three years to convert her, but she loves the Viceland stuff because it's like real life history on that. Right, and it's crazy. Yeah, like the Von Erich stuff's crazy, but the fact that you were there is really awesome. It's fun. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, a lot of good memories. Live radio, man. Mm-hmm. How tough would it be for someone who stutters? I I say on my show all the time how much I would I would have loved to do that just because I love to like show personality. You know, I, I, that's why I think the wrestling thing gravitated to me. But I always say I, there's no way that I could do it because people pay for time, people pay for this. And this. Not, I, I disagree with you though. Well, you would know. And, and I disagree with you because you'd have to have the right um, opportunity. Right. Okay. But with your personality and your the tone of your voice, if you found the right opportunity, you could make the stuttering work for you. You know, because your personality is going to way overshine the stuttering. 
And you know, we go back to what we talked about before. If you're just a card reader, yeah, that right. would, yeah, that you you wouldn't make it. Right. But if you used the stuttering, yeah, like you do now, I mean, you make you make mention of it all the time on here. People get to the point where it's like we like listening to him. We don't care if he stutters for crying out loud. Right. You know, we're we're gonna listen to him, and and that's exactly what I think would happen. But again, you'd have to have the right situation and unfortunately radio has gotten so corporate that the right situations are fewer and fewer it's funny you mention that because for the longest time i've never done it yet but for the Mm -hmm. longest time just from working at different places and like for for corporations or, or publicly traded companies whatever it is I've always wanted to do a show on corporate corruption and abuse of power. <laughs> I've wanted to do that for so long. I haven't done it yet. Oh, could you but, do that with the radio? Uh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's it really makes me sad, Todd, because when I started in radio, it was so much fun. Was there a lot of freedom? You could do anything. That's Everything's I mean, managed now. Yes, everything is managed down to the word. And, you know, we've got, um, and I say we, this is a, just a general example, but you know, you've got like a 350 to 500 song playlist, and that's it. Now, I work at a classic rock station. Right. You're telling me that there were only 350 to 500 songs from 1962 to 1995. There's only 350 songs worth playing? Right. No. My God, you had a top 100 every week. Right. You know, and there are songs that you know, I'm sure there are songs you grew up with mm-hmm. that have a lot of meaning to you. Yes. That when it comes on or you put it on your iPod or whatever, or your phone, I'm iPod gun, I'm aging myself. But when you when it comes on, you go, I remember exactly where I was, such and such a date, such and such a time, who was with yeah. me. That's the magic of radio right there. That's how you suck people in. Yeah. Is people go, oh, I remember that. Hell, I got my first kiss to that, or you know, my friends and I were out drinking and popped the first beer to this song, or whatever it happens to be. Now, if they like it, they come back. Yeah, but if it's not like a top ten or top fifteen, it doesn't get played anymore. That's which is ridiculous. I've had numerous conversations with that lady over there about Mm -hmm. that. It's ridiculous. That's why um, uh, one of the last places I worked played the Drake song about the Kiki chick or whoever the heck it mm-hmm. is. I don't listen to today's music. I, right. I, I, don't. I don't either. I don't. But in my eight-hour shift or nine-hour shift, you would hear it seven times. Yeah. It has. Absolutely. If it's not top ten, people don't care. Exactly. And see, the, the and consumer, we like, we see that. That's how top ten works, though, because top ten radio is based on kids. Yeah, they're going after the 14-year-olds to the 25-year-olds. That's the demographic yeah. they're shooting for. And their attention span is teeny tiny. So if you've got a hot song, it's probably going to get played every 50 minutes to 70 minutes. Because you got a whole new audience all the different times. And, that, and they want to hear the top 10. Right. So that's why when you're listening to a top 40 station, you hear those same songs over and over and over again if you're on like a long drive or something like that. But with classic rock... And, and thank God I work where I do. Forever Broadcasting has been very, very good to me. They're huge. As far as I can play what I want to play. So if a song comes up in the morning and I don't like it, I can kill it. Just 86 of it. That would probably get me fired anywhere else. And also, if something is happening, like my birthday on, on the set. Right. 
I decided I was going to play two songs back to back. Um, Celebrate by um, Rare Earth and Celebrate by um, Three Dog Night. Neither one is in the rotation. But I played them back to back anyway. And they were cool. Because they trust me. And right. they have said to me, you have proven over you know the, the length of your career, you're not going to do anything stupid. So if there's a song that comes up that, that maybe matches a news headline or matches a bit that you're doing or something like that, throw it on. We don't care. But most radio jocks don't have that luxury. They get a list of songs. It's on the computer. And you play them, by God. The only time you, you knock one out is if it's a time factor. If it's you know, almost the beginning of the hour and you've got seven minutes left of, of songs, you kill those seven minutes of songs so that you start the top of the hour fresh again. Right. So back when I started, you had that luxury of going through and saying, I think my audience wants to hear that song. And that goes back to, to knowing your audience. Going out and talking to them on the street. When you're doing a live broadcast and people come up, you don't just blow them off or you just don't hand them something and don't talk to them. You talk to them because then you know what they're into and what they like and then you can do that to, to pick music or whatever. And the other thing is practical jokes. We used to be able to do practical jokes all the time. Right. I mean, all the time. And the government came out and said... No, you have to tell people you're playing a practical joke on them before you play the practical joke on them. So does that make any sense? Just go ahead and defeat the whole purpose. Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm going to say, hey, Todd, when you get up, I'm going to trip you. Right. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, we used to do stuff. Do we have time? I'll I'll tell you. Yeah, absolutely. We got all the time in the world. This is my show. I've only been kicked off for a year one time. You can do whatever. So we're good. I can do whatever. (laughs) I, I was, by the way. Good. We had this place in Tyler, Texas. It was called the Cow Palace. And it was very similar to the Bryce Jordan Center here in, in Center County. I, all the, the music acts came in there and truck poles and mud racing and all that other stuff. So, and it was in this farmer's field. This farmer had donated acres of land in his field to the city for them to build this arena. So we had a guy come on a morning show and say that the farmer was going to sell. And when they started pulling all the deeds and everything else, they found out that they made a mistake. They built the, the cow palace on the opposite side of this six-lane highway leading into Tyler huh. and where it was supposed to be. And so now they're never going to be able to sell the land. There's all kinds of legal problems right. and everything else. So, supposedly, they decided that they were going to get eight to 12 Army Chinook helicopters. They were going to put big bands underneath it. They're going to actually pick it up move it across the six lanes of highway <laughs> and put it down where it was supposed to be originally. Yeah, now stop and think about it. Yeah. How the hell are you going to do exactly. that? You know, forget about water hookups and everything else. Yeah. You know, everything construction-wise. No, they're going to pick it up and move it across the highway and boom. And unfortunately, the only time they can do this is like right around 8 a.m. on this certain date. And so we announced that. We and now we had PSAs running. Hey, don't forget, they're moving to Cow Palace at such and such a date at 8 a.m. We'll be live on the scene to tell you all about it on KTYL. Boom. Whole way. I mean, we built it up for two weeks. So, day of, my newsman gets in the station van and drives around to the back of the building where nobody can see the van. Sets up the live broadcast equipment. We have all the staff, sales staff, everybody back there so that they can do the oohs and ahs and do the crowd noise and exactly. stuff like that. So I record 
one army helicopter, and then I loop it like eight, nine more times. Right. Okay. And so I get on the air and I go, okay, big time coming up here. You know, it's like five till eight. Let's go out to Bill Davis on site to see what's going on. I hit that general helicopters, and Bill is in the back one. Okay, Jeff, I don't know if you can hear me or not. Or not. You know? And he's doing this, and we've got all these people going, oh, my God, look at that. Oh, this is amazing. And he's going through this whole thing. So it's beautiful. I mean, it is going so well. I thought they were moving it. I, that's right. that's how, how hooked I was. So I get this phone call. It's a Texas Ranger, not a baseball player, yeah. a state cop. Okay. He goes, are you the guys um, that are causing all the disturbance? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he just goes, listen, pal, this stops now or I come and arrest you. Do you understand me? Holy smokes. And I went, yeah, I understand you. (laughs) Back roads. So all the back roads were knotted up in traffic. And there wasn't a soul on this highway. (laughs) That's awesome, though. (laughs) So we, in effect, shut down the six-lane highway. Because they thought they were moving this building, and they didn't want the building to fall on top of them, and they were going underneath it. So and that's, that, that's, that was the kind of cool stuff you could do in radio, and and you can't do that stuff anymore. We told that's God, one of the coolest things I've ever heard. We called and people bought it though. Oh, they bought it. They bought it. We for um, one time had a guy supposedly from Southwestern Bell, because Tyler had been having trouble with the phone lines. There's lots of static and stuff like that. He supposedly was Southwestern Bell. They have figured out the problem. And later this week, we're going to attach a high-pressure air system at the phone company. And we're going to blow because there's dirt and soot in the phone lines. And that's what's, <laughs> that's what's causing all the problems. So we're going to blow all this. It's, it's worked many other places around the country. you know. So, But what we're asking you is this. Before you go to work or before you leave your home, make sure you put all of your phones in a garbage bag and tie that garbage bag up tight and do not use those phones until 4.30 that afternoon because there has been instances, not too many, but if a phone isn't made correctly, that high pressure air goes through, boom, phone explodes and then all that dirt in all the lines goes into your home and there's been like you know four or five inches of dirt and soot on people's furniture because their phone exploded. <laughs> so don't do it. No way. So we had this guy come in a couple of different times and then all morning long, hey, don't forget, 8 o'clock, they're going to start blowing those phone lines. So, you know, make sure before you leave, even if you're at the house, because we don't want you to get hurt by shrapnel or anything else. Right. Put your phones in the bags, tie them up tight, don't open the bags until 4.30. Great joke. I mean, some people were calling yeah. going, who are you kidding? We had this guy call the next day. I felt really bad about this. His wife was pregnant. And she had already had problems with a previous pregnancy. He had to drive to Dallas to a meeting, like two and a half hours away. Right. He gets to Dallas. This is before cell phones. He gets to Dallas, calls to make sure she's okay. She doesn't answer the phone. Oh, no way. So he starts to panic. So he calls two or three more times. She still isn't answering. And she always answered the phone because she knew he'd be checking in on her. So he cancels the meeting, drives two and a half hours back, only to find when he walks in the door, all his phones are in garbage bags, tied up. And he says, what? And she goes, the guys on the radio told me that they're, they're doing this and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we can't do it until 4.30. So he threatened to sue us. <laughs> you feel... 
But we had... Was it better like that, though? Oh, it was absolutely better. It was awesome. You could do all kinds of fun things. And now, my goodness, we're going to get... We're going to get sued. Steve Biddle, who used to do mornings with me, he and I had a joke. And and we said, if we did a joke about a one-eyed purple monster doing something, somebody would call and say, my brother-in-law's a one-eyed purple monster, and I'm going to sue you for talking about it on the air. Yeah, people just want to sue people, and they just want to be mad and angry that's, and ugly. That's why I hate PC so much. Yeah, so I you can't. Do. Oh, I hate PC. It's oh, the worst, yeah. especially with your job. Oh my goodness, there's nothing wrong with ribs. Yeah, <laughs> the wrestling business calls it ribs. I right. call it ribs. Whatever. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with jokes. No. You know what I mean? Keep people fresh. Keep people loose. Okay, then I'm gonna ask you. And, and it may be different for your generation than my generation. We're not too far When apart. was the last time? Oh, dear God. I'll trade you anytime you want, Bubba. <laughs> 32 stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Try 60, pal. Okay. Watch me creak when I get up off this chair. Um, when was the last time somebody told you a really good joke? Told me? Re- it's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a long time. People I mean, are afraid. It used to be... I, at least for me, I couldn't go anywhere without somebody walking up and going, hey, did you hear about me? Blah, 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 blah. Right, right. You know, there, you always had two or three jokes in your back pocket when you saw somebody you could tell them. Yeah. Nobody tells jokes anymore. The one place I will say that happens, I'm a very big golfer. Yeah. It happens on the golf course all the time. It happens in my home all the time because I... Oh, yeah. Well, you can tell jokes in your home. Well, th- there's a certain someone in my home <laughs> who I love to tell dad jokes to. I have may not even know where I get them, but mm. I have certain websites that I go to that have like the greatest of dad jokes. Yeah, and every now and then I'll just come in as serious as possible, and then be like four minutes later, and then all of a sudden, bam, I hit with it. And uh, our relationship is known as like I love using middle fingers. <laughs> so at that point, when I get the middle fingers, I know she still loves me yeah, after yeah. doing it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I I believe in the joke thing. You know, like there are plenty of times. I don't. I'm not even just saying this because you're here and we're we're, we're talking about this, but like I just Google jokes. Yeah, yeah, you know, because people nobody has them anymore. No, that, nobody hears. I am Scotch like, Irish. You can tell me any Irish joke or any Scottish joke you want. Right, and I'll laugh my ass off. Yeah, I don't care. You know, and, and and I do understand that, you know, the whole black experience is a whole lot worse than the Irish and Scottish experience. And you know, right. that, that goes without saying. And, and, yeah, there are things that you can't say and you can't go to. But nobody will tell them anymore because they're all afraid that somebody's going to go <gasps> and never speak to you again because you're an insensitive jackass when it's just the opposite. You're a happy guy who wants to share a, a funny story. I per- personally, who I am as an individual, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. I don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's part of the reason why I love doing this. Although I got kicked off for a year, <laughs> thanks to the PETA and the Humane Society, I got kicked no. off for a year. But I don't care. Like I, I, I still do. People eating tasty animals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I that might kick you off again. Uh, it might kick me. <laughs> Bring it. I'm back. Bring it. You brought up two things. Uh-huh. I have to go back. Mm-hmm. But and actually. I just got a message 
Um, as I'm sitting here right now, I got my phone in my hand. For you people that can't see us, which is everyone. <laughs> I just got a message about a baseball lesson for Friday, so thank you for that. By You're the way. welcome. Thank you for that, by the way. But, and by um, the way, if you are listening, the guy, from what I understand, is an incredible coach because the kid was in a hitting slump. And they couldn't figure out why, and like one lesson with Todd, and he's bouncing them off the center field fence. So you're a hell of a coach. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> appreciate that little plug. <laughs> Two things. Uh, to go back just a little bit, you mentioned um, about like things on the radio that you could play and not play or whatever. Right. And I want to bring up the first time I ever actually spoke to you on the phone at the Uh-oh. radio station. I had this thing where at one point – I fell, I fell in love with a couple songs whenever I was younger, thanks to my father. I, uh, I, I grew up on a certain era of music. I had no choice. And uh, I'm thankful for Good it. Man. I'm thankful for Good it today. Man. Great taste. I, was prob- I, re- I remember standing in my mom's kitchen, mm-hmm. and uh, I was hoping that like, you would play the song, because it, it was always you on the radio, 3WZ. Mm-hmm. And... I would always like want to hear this one particular song, and uh, sometimes I heard it, sometimes I didn't. When I didn't hear it, I was mad. I was mad at you. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, "Why don't you just call in and request it?" You know, yeah. like, I, like, do people still call in and request songs? Oh, absolutely, they do. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't listen to much live radio now, anymore. Now, see, the bad thing here again is for most of radio, unless it's a special dedicated request hour or whatever, they're not allowed to play. Them. You know, we'll, we'll we'll get in trouble. If we play a song, even if it's on the playlist and we play it all the time, <gasps> heaven forbid you should play it when you're not supposed to. Don't and, let the people run the asylum. Yeah, and I've got more leeway, as we've talked about before. So if somebody calls me and it's it's well within my parameters to do it, right. I throw them on any time. Right. So, so my mom got the phone, and I stretched a really long cord out to the middle of the kitchen. And uh, she dialed the number for me, and I wanted to hear Summer in the City by The Loving Spoonful. Uh-huh. I wanted to hear that so many times. I think it was like a four-day stretch where I got the guts to like call up, and I wanted to hear that song, because that was like my song at the time. Right. Right? Classic. Great song. <laughs> and uh, the other thing that you mentioned was you brought my voice. I was interviewed for a different podcast called mm-hmm. That Reload Life. Make sure you guys check it out. It's awesome. Episode three on that Reload Life podcast is me, the Enigma. You'll check it out. Make sure you listen. <laughs> and one of the things they brought up is my voice. And that is one of the things that I have had the... If there was one struggle that I've had more than anything, mm-hmm. it was having... Or I guess like believing that I had a voice for something that has to do with a microphone. So many times I have talked to her mm-hmm. about like the importance of that like powerful voice that you have. That everybody knows. Mm-hmm. I could be driving in a car, and if I do have the radio on, and there's an ad, I know it's you. Right. There's, you know, not just because, it just, there's a difference. Oh, and th- it's been the, the biggest struggle of mine is, like, I've been told that I have a good voice, but I, I just can't believe it. Because I hear so many people, like, you know, like the voices of, like, a Vin Scully or something. People right. just know. You know what I mean? As much as, um, um drawing a blank at the moment this will be edited yeah. great. Um, <laughs> uh, it's those like my favorite voice in all of radio of any kind is dan patrick oh yeah I, I don't know how somebody gets that how somebody was gifted with something like that but my biggest issue with me in this podcast 
has always been my voice, 110%. Nobody likes their own voice. I don't like listening to me. That was actually going to be something I asked you. <laughs> I Do you don't. ever go back and listen to yourself on stuff? Oh, absolutely. I have a cassette of my very first radio show so at Slippery Rock State College, and it is so bad. Oh, my God. It is horrible, laughable. My kids used to pull it out all the time and make fun of me because it was so bad. But yeah, you know, no, I don't. I don't see anything special about my voice. Yeah, you know, but and again, what you got to do though, when you like you're reading a commercial, you got to talk to the people. Right. You can't just say um, read the words because then that's not going to mean anything. Right. Talk to them. Don't talk at them. But your voice, I don't know if you know, and you probably don't. It's a, uh, a personality named Matt Pinfield. No. Look him up sometime. Because your voice is eerily similar yeah? to Matt Pinfield. And he does tons of voice work. I'll check and, him out. And all that. But yeah, you sound a lot like him. And uh, it, that's the cool thing also about radio is if you have a personality, your voice doesn't matter that much. You know, If you're jumping Jeff Brown, it doesn't no. matter who you are. It doesn't matter how you sound. Do you remember Myron Cope at yeah, all? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's like a voice like you had ten feet of bad road there, yeah. and but people loved him, right? Because of his personality, yeah. And 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 that's the way it is. I've I've learned in my thirty two years that uh, that charisma will take you a long way. Absolutely, charisma is so big. Yes. I never I never realized it until I got older. I never really realized it even until that little boy came into my life. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, just charisma and having. I shouldn't live my life like like I'm walking through a curtain. Mm-hmm. But I spent eight years in the casino business, and you have to. Oh yeah. You, when you walk through these doors, you got to be somebody else because mm-hmm. it's the entertainment business. Yep. And I think I'm so trained in that. Unfortunately, at, at times, or you know, like like whenever I wake up or whatever, I got to walk through a curtain and I got to be something. Do it for 37 years, pal. I, get back I, to me, I, all right? I, I understand. I know. <laughs> but that's that's another rule of radio. Nobody cares what you personally feel like. Exactly. You could have had the worst night's sleep possible and had a big fight with your significant other before that and found out that your car is getting repossessed and yada, da, 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 da. But when that microphone goes on, you better be happy and you better be upbeat because that's what all those people are listening for. They don't care about your problems. Yeah, maybe they do, but they don't. They They've got their own problems. They want to be entertained. So you go on the air and you sound dopey for you know three hours because you're you're upset with the world. Nobody's going to listen to you. Right. They're going to find somebody else. There's always somebody else to listen to, especially now you know, with everything that's going on. Yeah. So you've got to leave your personality at the door. It's like acting. You know, it's this very same thing. If you go out on stage and you bring your troubles with you, you can't do that because that theater is filled with the majority of people who have never seen that show before or have never seen you in that show before. They paid a lot of money for the ticket. They want your best performance. Absolutely. And, you know, if you've got the flu, if you've got whatever, they don't care because they don't get their money back if you don't have a good performance. They just wasted their money. And it's yeah. the same way. So, yeah, you got to go through the curtain and you got to... You've got to entertain because that's what people want. And that's what people, that's how people are drawn to you is charisma, is personality. People will overlook a hell of a lot if they like you. Yeah. 
You know, if they are drawn to you in some way, they're not going to care what you're dressed like. Right. You know, they're not going to care what you look like. They're not going to care anything because you're fun and you make them feel good and you entertain them. And so everything else is out the window. You brought up that you have a tape from your first radio <laughs> gig. <laughs> yeah. I do too. My first, I did live radio for just a brief time. Mm-hmm. Brief time. My first ever radio gig was in January of 2007 on 1450 ESPN Radio out of Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Okay. There was a show that my dad introduced me to um, at at the time. It's it's way long gone now, and for good reason. (laughs) Uh, It was actually a pro wrestling show called The Cage, and my dad, obviously, knowing that I was a lover of this, he was right. like, hey, you know, here's a show, if you want to listen to it, we we could only get it if we, like, drove somewhere and sat in a certain spot, just from, just from like, where he lived. Ah, uh, that's funny. So, I got a hold of the guy, I emailed the show, you know, saying, hey, look, you know, just want to let you know I love the show, whatever, 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 and he's like, well, why don't you come on, and uh, come down to the studio, I'm like... Yeah, I'll go down. <laughs> yeah, are you kidding me? So I go down there, and uh, he's like, "You want to be on tonight?" And I'm, sure, you know. And I, that the day that I made my first appearance, mm-hmm. one of my childhood heroes passed away that day. Bam, Bam Bigelow. Yeah. So my like first responsibility on the radio show was to announce his death. I'll never forget it. But. The guy was cool at first. He was a total shyster. I don't care if you're hearing this, Thomas Perryman. <laughs> All right? He was, a, he was a wrestling promoter in Florida. Okay. But he moved up here. And I later found out for why. I won't expose that fellow. <laughs> but, um, uh, but he had a show called The Cage. He was a promoter of AWA Florida. And uh, he had me on there. He's like, you know, your last name is Orndorff. There's Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Yeah. You can't, we, like... This is a wrestling show. That's your last name. We got to give you a name. So I was Master Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I still got the photo of me with the headset with all, with all the stuff around me and everything. See, I would have done Todd Terrific. Yeah, that would have been my Todd, name, Yeah, Todd the Terrific Wonder. <laughs> he did one cool thing for me, though, that made me feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I am not a fan of the guy because he, he owes me money. <laughs> but um, he, uh, this is my show. I love it. I yeah, can do whatever I want. Um, but, uh, I was stuttering really bad. Mm-hmm. I was nervous. I can't help that I stutter in general. Right. But I was nervous. But what he did, it was, I think it got him in a lot of trouble because we were on like one week later and then gone. Um, so I might have been the demise of the show, actually. <laughs> I was stuttering really bad, and it was live, obviously, but he was blaming like all the blockages and everything mm-hmm. on the shitty equipment that the radio station like provided him with uh, no. so i got everything on tape um I, I still know where it is thankfully which is cool 12 years later but um it, uh, i was trying to say all these things and have this conversation with this other guy that was there i don't remember who he was but um i was just having the hardest of time and you know the like time's rolling you know right and i couldn't get a word out for the longest time and he was just going on saying, just want to let everybody know that we're having some faulty equipment here provided by whoever we were for. <laughs> so it was, uh, that was my first radio gig. Like it was a complete disaster, but he actually, so he actually did look out for me though. Well, you know, I was supposed to be a kindergarten teacher. I went to Slippery Rock out of high school 
to be a kindergarten teacher. I thought that'd be the greatest gig ever. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You get to take a nap. I don't know if you, you know where my snacks. real job is, but there's no way I would work with children. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be, that's all I wanted to be. I thought it'd be the coolest thing on earth. Well, how much fun is that to be a kindergarten teacher? Play with little kids all day. It'd be fun. Yeah. And <laughs> I got into um, the, the class, all the different classes I had to take. One was called Looking at Math. And the first day, the professor comes in, he writes, one plus one equals three. And he <laughs> goes, is this correct or not? And of course, we all said, no. He right. goes, yes, it is correct. And he spent the next 45 minutes launching into this huge monologue about how one plus one is actually three, and we've been wrong all these years. Now, I was stocking shelves at a grocery store overnight to pay my way through college. Right. So I was operating on two hours sleep anyway. So I'm nodding off, and I finally just said, you know what, screw this. So friends of mine said, with your voice, come to the radio station. The best parties are through, you know, radio station parties anyway. So right. I said, you had me at best parties. So, <laughs> so that's how I got started, or, or I would have been a kindergarten teacher and never gotten into radio. You weren't in charge of inventory, were you? No. You would have jacked a whole bunch of stuff up. <laughs> with radio now... And the way that it is, and like the different ways that you can get radio. Mm-hmm. Do radio stations look at XM and Sirius as? I mean, they have to look at them as competitors. Oh yeah, because yeah. people listen to you in their car. Well, I'll tell you a story about that. I went to um, to San Diego to a radio convention a few years ago, talk radio convention, and it was right after Sirius and XM had come on. So I'm sitting there waiting for the seminar to start. It's about 15 minutes. And all these guys come in and sit behind me, and they are like the heavy hitters of national talk radio. So I'm a little intimidated anyway that they're all sitting behind me and they're all talking, but they are ready to attack these guys from Sirius and XM. Just attack them. They're going to skin them alive. They're <laughs> laughing. You know, like These guys don't know what's going to hit them, anything else. So we start, and I forget which one was up first, the Sirius guy or the XM guy. But he said, before I take your questions, I just want to tell you this. We're not the ones who destroyed radio. You are. We're not the ones who automate everything we can possibly automate. You are. We are not the ones that took away local radio on the weekends and put on syndicated stuff that doesn't do anything for your individual communities. You did that. True. So you want to talk about killing radio. X7 Sirius did not kill radio. You guys did. Syndication. And it was... It's a big deal. Nobody said a word. How you feel about that? That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. I feel I'm not in it, but I absolutely see it. Absolutely yeah. true. We, um, I had to do something for the um, Kiwanis Club one time. It was a hoop shoot, or the Elks Club hoop shoot. I did that. And uh, yeah, second might have been play, you that day. Second place, third grade. Thank might you very been, much. You're the, you're the athlete. I got cheated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the it was the same day that the second shuttle crashed, the one that landed in Houston and, and crashed on, on impact. So I get to the hoop shoot, and all these guys are running up going, oh, my God, what happened with the shuttle? Tell us all about it. I said, what are you talking about? You didn't hear? I said, frankly, I got up like 20 minutes before I had to be here. So I haven't listened at all. And they said, we're trying to find it on the radio, and we can't find any information. Well, that was because no, zero radio station in this area had anybody live in the studios to know that the shuttle had crashed and put on special programming. Really? Nobody. It's all machines on the weekends. I hate to tell you that, folks, but it is. And 
Basically, it's all machines after 7 o'clock at night. Isn't that wild? Yeah. And that, that's killing radio and has killed radio because 7 to 10, 10 to 2, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Those are the three shifts where if you were just learning and you weren't very good, you could get a job in radio and you could learn and you could get better and better and move up. Right, that's where you learn so instead of you doing 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., next thing you know, you're doing 10 p.m. to 2 you know, or you're doing six to ten or something like that. Slowly moving you to where you yeah. need to be. So you have to be good now to be hired. You can't be crappy if you want to talk. I mean, you can board up all you want. But in order to get a job in radio and be you know, a, a disc jockey, air personality, whatever you want to call it, you don't have that time to learn anymore. Radio's taken that away. And when the bean counters took over... Instead of the radio people, all they cared about was profits. So they would say, why are we paying this guy this amount of money when we right. can pay this guy 20000 less? Well, because this guy's really good and this guy's adequate. Yeah. Well, we don't care about the adequate guy. People are going to listen anyway. And that's what's happened. And that's why radio is in the shape it's in. Although I will tell you, getting back to the XM and the, and the serious guy, um, after he nailed them about how they killed their own he industry. Was prepared. Oh, he, he was, was ready. Prepared. It was hysterical. I was trying not to laugh because these guys suddenly shut their mouths. But he said, I will tell you this. We will not kill you guys. You guys are doing a good enough job of it. But everybody in your town is gonna want to know what was the what were all the red lights for? You know, why did the fire siren go off at two AM or you know, what's happening in local politics. So as long as you are local, you're going to survive. But if you refuse to be local, we're going to kill you. We're going to run you right over because we've got more resources than you. And it's absolutely true. The only reason that radio still exists locally is because we all got the hint and said, okay, we're talking nothing but local stuff. Right. We may throw in some national stuff here and there. Right. Yeah, but even... You know, with the advent of telephones, don't get me started on cell phones. Oh, dear. That's another podcast, okay? Uh, I'm always down. I hate cell phones. I hate social they, media. So they are the fall of civilization. Yes. In 50 years, if we even have history books, it's going to say, here's how America crumbled, and there's going to be a picture of a cell phone. That's all you need. It's unbelievable. It makes me so crazy. But getting back to what I was saying, um, you know, even today when I talk to consultants, about my show. You know, I used to do two and a half minutes of sports every hour. And I was like, Jeff, do the local stuff. That's it. Because chances are they have already, as soon as they rolled out of bed, popped on their phones and checked all the national scores. Anything they're interested in, uh, they already know. Yeah. So don't waste a minute and a half you know, telling me how the, what the Dodgers did last night. Because yeah. even if I'm a Dodgers fan, I found out about it long before I turned the radio on. And not on. only that, all the apps now... Yeah. Do you want notifications? Yeah. I get Yankee notifications every time somebody scores, every time there's a base exactly. hit. Exactly. So, so you yeah. don't have to do that. So yeah. just do local. You know, how did the Belfont High School team do last night? You know, how did the, the, the State High volleyball team do? That you can't get oh. nationally. So that's what you have to provide in order to stay focused and, and stay viable. That's incredible. Yeah. It's... it's <clears throat> 
it, it sounds like it should be something that's like elementary and common sense, but I don't think people think about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't. You know, like I, because I like this stuff, because I enjoy, and I do do this, um, this show, like, that's something that, like, I should think about, but I really don't. I, that's, yeah. that's. I mean, AccuWeather. We used to do weather forecasts every 10 minutes. There's no need to. What's one of the first things you do when you wake up in the morning? Check the app. Check the app and Check see what the, the weather's going to be. You don't need me telling you five times an hour. Our fingertips are hurting everybody. Yeah. They're hurting everybody, hurting, you know. It helps people like me. Yeah. But it's hurting in Because I'm on apps, but, you know. I'm going to leave you with one story and then I got to go. What's that? It's about, it's about telephones and, and cell phones. Um, the thing that concerns me most is we're not talking to each other anymore. Yes. And texts can be taken different ways. Yep. You know, if you're talking back to your fiance and she types back, you're such a jerk, she could be going, oh, you're such a jerk. Or right. she could be typing, you're such a jerk. Right. And depending on how you take that text, because you have no connotation with You can't whatsoever. see their eyes. You can't see their eyes. You can't hear the tone of voice or anything. That has probably led to zillions of fights mm-hmm. because of that. Plus, we all have our heads in our phones now. And we're missing the world around us. We're absolutely missing it. Heck with seeing a beautiful sunset. Oh, I'm going to go on YouTube and look at one that somebody else recorded. Right. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, this is the story I'm going to tell you. And then I'm, I'm done boring all of you, okay? <laughs> um, when I was in college, I lived with a guy. His name was Fred. Fred had been in the Army. And he was uh, stationed on the Berlin Wall. And so, when Fred got back to Slippery Rock... Uh, to resume his collegiate career, the army paid for everything. So he lived in this great condo on the other side of town from all the crappy places all the other students were in. So all of our friends wanted to come over to our house every night because it was nice and theirs was crappy. And it got to the point where we just, we hated it. We had no time to ourselves. So Fred calls me one time and he says, okay, listen, pick me up at five o'clock at such and such a building on campus. So I said, okay. So I picked him up. I said, what's going on? He said, I left my car in the parking lot. We're driving back to my house. You're going to park in the garage. I've already papered up the windows so nobody can look in the garage. And then we're going to go upstairs and we're going to eat dinner. And then we're not turning the lights on. And we're going to sit there all night long. I don't care what we do, but we're going to sit there. Nobody's coming over. If people stop by unannounced, they're going to think we're gone. So he and I started talking. And I'm not kidding you, Todd. We talked for five hours, sitting in the dark. And he told me stuff that I never knew about him. And I told him stuff that he never knew about me. And we just talked. And it was the greatest five hours I had spent in a very long time. It's organic, man. Actually, human communication face-to-face. And we don't do that anymore. And I think that's the problem with social media and all the anger in the world and everything else. Heaven forbid we should be able to talk out our differences. If you and I are completely opposed to something, instead of me telling you you're an idiot and not listening to anything you say, and you doing the same thing to me, we need to sit down and talk. And at the end of it, I may still think you're wrong, but you may have told me a bunch of stuff I never knew before. Or you may have made me see it from a different angle that I never considered before. And vice versa. 
And that's how it's supposed to work. That's yeah. that's called conversation, kids. And <laughs> and we used to do it all the time before internets and telephones and all this other stuff. We used to sit down and talk and exchange ideas and not be so angry and not be so quick to tell the other person that they're complete idiots for feeling the way they do. Yeah. And we got to get back to that again because the world is spinning out of control and it's spinning out of control for a great reason because of telephones and social media and the fact that you can say anything you damn well please and nobody can see your face. Exactly. You are completely anonymous and you probably wouldn't have said it if they could tell who you were. I recently switched jobs um, about two months ago for the simple fact that, and it doesn't happen every night. I wish it would, but I'm a very we have I have a very busy family. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the simple fact that, for a very long time, I didn't get to sit down and have dinner with my family and ask my son, who just started kindergarten this year, what he learned in school. Right. I switched jobs for that reason. Good for you. Because it's driving me nuts. Yeah. That people don't sit at home anymore as a family at the table they turn on some cartoon some peppa pig or something yeah and go do that while the parents are off you know facetiming or doing whatever with whoever go to a restaurant they, and look at all the people looking at their phones god yeah. forbid they would have a conversation with each other while they're out to eat yeah they're just sitting there might as well do it at home save money exactly Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, but I've got to run, but let's do it again. Hey, I appreciate it very much. It was, I do. It was a very long time. I know. It was an extremely long time. You were a pup last time I, was I actually pup. talked to uh, you. Now I got pups. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes me feel old, too. Yes. But Thank they're you. adorable pups, Thank let me tell you. you. This was awesome. I greatly appreciate it. This was a yeah. long time in the making. Well, let's do it again soon. Heck, I will be more than happy to have you back. You ask me, I'll be here. Thank you, big guy. Well, there you have it, the interview with Sir Jeff Brown. Jumping, <laughs> Jeff Brown. I want to thank him again for coming on. It was a great time. It's good to see him. Gosh, it's been a very long time since I got to see the guy. But, uh, you know, he's he's done some great things for my family. And one thing, just to show, like, his character, I reached out to him and said that we were going to a local minor league baseball stadium. And, and I said that it was going to be my daughter's first time there. And I was you know, really excited about it because I'm a baseball guy and the family's going. And it's my daughter's first experience. And uh, he was kind enough to put my daughter's name up on the uh, uh, up on the Titantron. So I greatly appreciated that. I'll never forget it. We were able to get the photo and such and, and everything. But we didn't ask for it. just... Something that he wanted to do for us. So for that, Jeff, thank you again. Personally, that meant a lot to me. So, guys, that is the show this week. I hope you loved it. I hope you enjoyed it. But we are out of time. So, folks, until next time, this is Todd Orndorff from Todd Orndorff on a Talkcast, signing out.